Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Geek Buddies! <gasps> well, we're back for another week of entertainment for you, talking about the big stories going on in the world of entertainment here. Uh, uh, in a, in, I don't know, in our world, that's all I'm going to say. I am the outlaw, John Roca, joined, as always, by these two incredible gentlemen. Uh, my brother in the middle is... Michael Vogel, uh, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and the guy in the middle. <laughs> and all the way at the end there. Hey, this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. Yeah, all great stuff. Two incredibly talented gentlemen. I am blessed to have on the show every week and to co-host the show with, so it's, it's always my joy. I'm just a writer, producer, and host over here. That's all I do. But listen, listen. Let me and tell the you tech guy. And, and the, the tech guy. <laughs> and the you're tech guy. You're, you're, you're what we call a multi-hyphenate. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, but I will say this uh, before we go further. Uh, big thanks from all of us, including Emma Five, to everyone who's been watching our WandaVision reviews. Thank you all so, so much. Episode four crossed 11,000 views within three days. And for a channel that's still building, that's an awesome situation to happen. If you haven't watched our uh, reviews for them, we have episode one and two as a separate review, episode three and episode four. And we will be doing episode five. Uh, and drop it on Saturday as well this week. So get ready for that. We've been enjoying it. And our main topic today will be about WandaVision. Speaking of main topics, for those of you new to the show, thank you so much for watching us or downloading this on the Geek Buddies uh, podcast feed. For those of you watching it, you can listen to it later on if you want to as well while you're cleaning the house or doing whatever on the podcast feed. For those of you, for those of you who are coming back again, thank you so much for staying on the Geek Buddies train. Uh, the way this works is uh, each of us presents a geek news item. We talk about it, take a mini break, and then jump into our main topic. And as I said, our main topic will be all the WandaVision rumors and some of the comments that Elizabeth Olsen has said recently about this big surprise, this big reveal coming uh, for WandaVision. We're going to speculate on all of that on the back end of the show. Uh, but first, uh, shall we get into it? Are you guys ready? Let's- Let's do it. Let's do all it. Right. All right. Our first story. I think I'll handle the first story. It's from uh, the Hollywood Reporter. They're reporting that uh, Black Panther director Ryan Coogler is building out the world of Wakanda. This is part of a new exclusive five-year deal, uh, overall deal between Disney TV and Coogler's Proximity Media. He is developing a Wakanda-based Disney Plus series, and they'll have a hand in other shows that are set in the MCU with the Marvel Cinematic universe uh disney executive chairman bob Iger said in a statement ryan coogler is a singular storyteller whose vision and range have made him one of the standout filmmakers of his generation with black panther ryan brought a groundbreaking story and iconic characters to life in a real meaningful and memorable way creating a watershed cultural moment we're thrilled to strengthen our relationship and look forward to telling more great stories with ryan and his team coogler runs proximity media with zinzi coogler zeb ohanian Ludwig Goranson, some some of you may know, Archie Davis, and Peter Nix. 
He is currently writing the sequel to Black Panther, and he said it's an honor to be partnering with the, partnering with the Walt Disney Company. Working with them on Black Panther was a dream come true. As, an, as avid consumers of television, we couldn't be happier to be launching our television business with Bob Iger, Dana Walden, and all the amazing studios under the Disney umbrella. All right, there is no speculation yet on what this series might be, but Michael, let me get your reaction. You have been an executive. You've probably talked to people who had these <clears throat> deals. What was your feeling when you heard the news? And then what do you think this means for Ryan Coogler overall as we go into Disney and the MCU? Uh, well, so first of all, I think this is awesome. Uh, yeah. I think that as, as we know, because we've talked about this on the show, we've talked about this on some of our live shows. Uh, I personally, I think we all uh, think that uh, Kevin Feige, Ryan Coogler, Marvel's decision not to recast T'Challa was a good one. Yeah. Um, and that uh, I personally think that's a good way to move with the storytelling. I do recognize that a lot of people don't feel that way. And a lot of people feel like they should recast T'Challa. What I think this is a good sign of is that not only is Ryan Coogler currently working on Black Panther 2, which may give us a new character in the Black Panther role or continue on that legacy, uh, explain what has happened to T'Challa to, to T'Challa within the MCU, mm -hmm. but by doing this Wakanda TV series, it signals that this whole area of the MCU is going to start spawning new stories, new characters, mm -hmm. new heroes. So that means as we talk about diversity, as we talk about representation, yeah. um, and you, you look at what Ryan Coogler's Black Panther did for the Marvel Universe as a whole, that we're going to continue that and that he's going to be one of the main creatives that's going to helm that area of storytelling. And I think that's really important because I think what he did in Black Panther was so amazing. I feel more comfortable with what's going, how they're going to navigate Chadwick Boseman's loss in Black Panther 2 because Ryan Coogler is writing mm. and directing it. And I think that the fact that he gets to take his singular vision of Wakanda and spread that out into TV and give us new characters is a really, really good sign for where the MCU is going and for how important Wakanda is going to be in phase four, phase five, and moving forward with Marvel. So I think it's like, it's a win across the board. It's a win right. creatively. It's a win financially. For Ryan Coogler, I think it's great because, you know, this overall deal that he has uh, hopefully he does a lot more MCU stuff. Mm -hmm. That is the main thing that we report, being the geeky people that we are. Yeah. But his deal extends beyond Disney+. Plus. It goes to all of Disney's streaming platforms. So yep. Ryan Coogler's Proximity Media can be doing uh, new stories, new movies, new TV shows for Disney+, Plus, for Hulu, for ESPN. Like they, There's a lot of potential there for him to tell these stories. And I do think that Ryan Coogler is pretty amazing. And I'm glad that him stepping uh, on board the Marvel train to do Black Panther has paved the way for him to be telling other stories. Because although we are most excited for the Black Panther and Wakanda stuff, uh, I'm excited to see what else he does even outside of the geeky realm as well. Yeah, you look at this, Shannon. I mean, this seems like a really great uh, idea from both sides. It's a win-win situation. Do you think they waited to see how people reacted to WandaVision before they fully made this announcement? Because it seems like since they're going to go forward with Black Panther 2 and then maybe connect a TV series into Black Panther 2, there are decades of characters and mythology to choose from here in the Black Panther uh, uh, mythology in, in the comics. So this seems to make a lot of sense. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, I think they knew in terms of what their viewership was going to be on Disney Plus for their mm. MCU series. I think they knew that uh, it was going to get eyes, that it was yeah. going to get numbers. What I'm curious about is in the writing of Black Panther 2, having to deal with uh, the loss of Chadwick Boseman, was this, was this an idea that has sprung out of the new idea for that movie, what the, what the new movie is gonna be? Right. And it, honestly, it's a no-brainer. I mean, the great thing that they have been announcing with these series is, like Claw said in Black Panther, like it's, it's, it's like the vibranium, you know, we've barely scratched the surface of Wakanda. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, this really rich world was introduced and like, I mean, I know the Dormelage had their, had, had a comics run, um, right. you know, and, and right now, at least just with Black Panther, like the only people we've seen in Wakanda, really the only characters we've gotten to know outside of M'Baku are people in that throne room. What yeah, does right. every day look like in Wakanda? Yeah. Like what, what does, yeah. what does someone like, like a vendor on the street, what, what does that look like? And the fact that Ryan Coogler was able to come in and make such an impression with his film like obviously you want him you want him involved and again i i imagine this this was probably this was probably his idea it's really really exciting i mean 
like again, we don't know what Black Panther is gonna Black Panther Two is gonna be yet. Um, but already with this series, like God, are we gonna get to see more in Baku? Like I know yeah. one of my favorite moments from Endgame as the two sides are charging at the very end with with the, the Marvel heroes versus Thanos's army. The yeah. fact that in Baku was running right up front. I was like, that's awesome. Like, this is a guy, this is just a big guy <laughs> who, who is a really, really good warrior next to the God of Thunder. I'm like, that is awesome. And I think, I, I think whatever this show is going to be, it's probably going to be very special. Yeah, Winston Duke, of course, made the most of the uh, screen time that he had, you know, and, and he certainly left an impression with a lot of people. Certainly my favorite character coming out of Black Panther. Uh, and, Michael, you can't ignore the timing of this. This is Black History Month. This is a move by Disney to drop this here. And there is, and it doesn't have to be the TV series. As I said earlier, it might connect to Black Panther too, Michael, but it could also be a prequel. It could also be something that goes back in time to look at the origins because the opening of Black Panther laid the groundwork for this, that this has gone on for multiple uh, uh, de decades and centuries. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. There's yeah. definitely a rich history of Wakanda that they can uh, that they can dive into. I do think Shannon probably is on to the, the, I think Shannon's probably correct in that as Ryan Coogler has been crafting the story for Black Panther 2, he goes in for a meeting with Kevin Feige. He says, this is the direction things are going. I'm gonna do this. And you might be right. He might say, I'm gonna go back. We're gonna have flashbacks to previous Black Panthers. Or yeah. he might say, I think that the Dora Milaje are gonna do this and I really wanna feature this new character. But something in the crafting of the Black Panther 2 story, now that they've shifted directions, Kevin Feige, the Marvel team, Bob Iger yeah. were like, hey, that should be a TV show. Right, yes, you right. should do this. Let's have the movie come out. Let's have everybody fall in love with this character. And then let's have this TV show, whether that's a flashback, a previous Black Panther, a brand new character. I think that's probably a high likelihood just given the timing. And yes, yeah. from a PR standpoint, uh, announcing this during Black History Month is definitely a, hey guys, we are, we are continuing in this. <laughs> um, yeah. And hopefully, hopefully we get studios to do more and more things like this so that we can announce these things all year round and not just during Black History Month. And we can just have awesome stories with all kinds of characters all year round. And that would be lovely. Yeah, and you, you said it earlier, Mike, this idea that it's not just the Black Panthers. And I think that was in Kugler's quote, all the Di studios under the Disney umbrella. So Star Wars is a possibility. Any number of things are a possibility here. And certainly this seems to be, as we get as a Disney Plus and other studios are embracing their streaming services more and more, they are making moves to put more content on there that is fresh and new and interesting. And certainly it seems like if you're a creator coming in under the Disney umbrella and you be and you're successful with a franchise, then the next question is probably, okay, how do we make a TV show that co that the uh, as a companion piece to this uh, movie or to what you whatever you're creating here? So that's certainly something that I'm excited about to see that they're understanding uh, this situation. You're right. Maybe maybe Feige said, you know what, that's a TV show. Or Kugler went in and said, I started writing this and I started coming up with these ideas. What do you think? And so. Yeah. All of that through it would be so much fun to explore. And, you know, people are talking about the Black Panther thing. Killmonger could come back as a different person. A different person can grab the mantle of Killmonger, become Killmonger, couldn't they? So that's a possibility, too, to bring that villain back into the MCU under a different actor. So that's a way to do it through the TV series. That's certainly possible, I think, too. Yeah. How do I'm you mean to see? Do you, do you mean like a new spirit inhabiting Michael B. Jordan's body or someone else? No. Are, are, okay. Yeah, a new actor playing Killmonger, right? A new actor who is like, who, because uh, I mean, I'm sure not everyone's all aboard the T'Challa train. I'm sure there are some people <laughs> who have had some issues on T'Chaka and T'Challa ran the kingdom. No, you're never going to satisfy everyone. Lord knows we've, we're all experiencing that. They're never going to satisfy everybody in a country, no matter who's running it. And so that could spawn people who are against him or have their own nefarious reasons for doing the things that are that they are doing. So I could see that coming down the road. Sure. Well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody from the border tribe, Daniel Kaluuya's character, yeah. like he's probably, you know, an entire tribe yeah. was down for supporting this guy who came in and killed the king. So, yeah, yeah I mean, the again, the storytelling possibilities, they are limitless. Yeah, agreed. Well, Mike? and I mean, I think like at the center of the first Black Panther movie was this idea of how Wakanda should interact 
with the world outside. And yeah. a big part of that, uh, particularly through Killmonger's storyline, was the way the world outside had dealt with slavery, with yeah. black yep. people. Like, I mean, that was central to the story. So mm -hmm. as Ryan Coogler is continuing that narrative and continuing that idea of Wakanda, now revealed to be the most technologically advanced place in the entire world within the MCU, yeah. uh, and how the outside world responds to Wakanda, and to your point, how different factions within Wakanda respond to that, I think mm -hmm. that we, I think that's very, very ripe area for storytelling. And I think we probably will see a lot of differing opinions on how that should be, because truth be told, if Wakanda wanted to become the global superpower, I don't see any reason why they couldn't. So it would, yeah. it'll be really interesting to see if they start to explore a lot of those ideas. Certainly is what Killmonger wanted, uh, you know, and just to give a little background real quick before we move on for some of the characters that could be popping up in this TV series. Uh, Cyan is the uncle of T'Challa, the brother of T'Chaka. He becomes Black Panther for a little while. You've got Monica Ling, Lin, who's a, a singer who saved T'Challa, and Gassi is an advisor to T'Challa, who was an acting regent. There's a queen, Divine Justice, who is a street smart street smart street smart queen of the jabari tribe she could be involved in this storm storm could show up in this in some shape or form for sure a chibi a poor farmer in south africa who sold his soul to the demon mephisto possibilities here kyber the cruel which is a scientist who was involved in this craven the hunter has been involved in the black panther in the comic books man ape we saw that with mbaku so well, how much more can we explore that as you mentioned namor has been involved rumors about him possibly being in uh, Black Panther 2 as well. Wind Eagle, which is a villain who wears an anti-gravity costume that enables him to fly in Glida Windkirth, and Zenzi, a Wakandan empath with powers of mind manipulation. So as we've said, all three of us, there is a wealth of characters, a wealth of stuff to explore here. So we look forward to seeing what Ryan Coogler does both in the Black Panther universe in this TV show and outside of the Black Panther universe as well. So, uh, all right, let's move on to our second story. Who's got that one, Mikey? That is me. Yep. We got some good news for Broadway fans. Um, so, uh, taking off my nerdy comic book hat for a minute and putting on my super gay Broadway hat, uh, big news this week, um, uh, the movie adaptation of Wicked, which yeah. is one of the most popular Broadway shows in the history of Broadway, uh, had some big news going forward this week, and that news was that John Chu is stepping on board to direct. So last we heard from John Chu, he was attached to Disney Plus's Willow. He was going to direct the first episode and sort of helm that. He had to step away because between COVID issues, delays in production, and the fact that he's having a baby, um, he said he couldn't do it. Now, maybe this was part of the reason he couldn't do it too. Maybe the timing just worked out. But regardless, uh, as Billy Elliot director uh, Stephen Daldry stepped off of Wicked, John M. Chu has stepped on and he will now be bringing Wicked to the big screen. And that's awesome because A, uh, even though we haven't seen it yet, there is a lot of excitement around John Chu directing In the Heights, uh, Lin-Manuel yeah. Miranda's musical that he made before Hamilton, which is coming out on HBO Max and in theaters later this year. And if you just look at John M. Chu's career uh, with the stuff that he's done through uh, the early stuff he's done on YouTube, through Crazy Rich Asians, through everything, um, he is definitely a director with an eye towards dance, towards movement, towards creating a very, very beautiful film. And so he definitely has the right kind of chops to uh, to tackle not just one Broadway musical within the Heights, but another one like Wicked. So I think there's a lot of excitement about him doing it. He's such a high profile director that even though there have been people attached and not attached to Wicked, the movie version for years and years and years, this one feels like it's definitely going and uh, and that we will all be sitting in theaters very, very soon, defying gravity with Elphaba and Galinda. Um, so I'm clearly very excited about this, but what do you guys think? Uh, Jan? Well, I think he's probably a better fit for Wicked than for Willow, in my opinion. Um, after having watched uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation again recently. Why? Um, <laughs> HBO Max. Oh, okay. <laughs> I also watched The Rise of Cobra. Oh, Ooh. my God. What is wrong with you? Uh, you got time to kill, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'd give you 500 other movies there that you put in your queue. But anyway, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> I think he's probably probably a better fit for, for Wicked versus Willow. I mean, what we have seen 
from his career, like the Step Up series, what we've seen from Into the Heights, uh, In the Heights is a guy who really understands how to film choreography. And not that Wicked is like a huge dance musical as compared to like In the Heights, but it definitely is. That is a that is a Broadway show. Now I've never seen I've never seen Wicked live. I've only seen the clips on YouTube. I've seen the Tonys. Yeah. What? I, you know, when it was here yeah. at the Pantages, I was just like, I liked the music when it first came out. Um, but then I read the book and like, I don't know, I know that the book is way different from the musical, but I was just kind of like, yeah, it's, it kind of, it, it just wasn't available when I was in that mode to see it. Like, I will see it at some point. Every time I've been to New York now, it's like, well, there's this other thing that I would rather see. It's like going to, it's like going to New York and seeing Phantom or, or Les Mis. It's just like, well... Right. That's been there for a very long time. Yeah, um, I'm still curious about it, though. And I do think John M. Chu is a great director for musicals. Johnny? Yeah, uh, I haven't seen In the Heights, so I can't judge his musical stuff. Um, uh, I know that uh, he's done his step up, uh, uh, you know, shows, uh, films. Um, him walking away from Willow was interesting. Um, and that's a separate conversation uh, that I have a little bit of issues with Ron Howard and once again, replacing a person of color with a white person like he did in Solo, replacing Michael Kenneth Williams with Paul Bettany. Just a little concerned about it. I'm not trying to put a, too much of a spotlight on it, but just a little concerned about it. But you look at this situation here. I don't. I, I wasn't the biggest fan uh, of the romantic comedy. I know it was Crazy Rich Asians. I know it was good for the Asian community, but I, I wasn't like, oh, this is great. I, I thought it was enjoyable, but it was great. So my concern is that I, I think he's a decent director i don't think he's a great director so my concern now comes into well will this be will he get this thing right because i haven't seen in the heights i didn't like that trailer to be honest with you so i'm a little concerned about what he's going to do with wicked i am in, in shannon's boat i've heard the music i michael sings it non-stop but i've never around us but i've never seen the actual musical itself on stage so for me personally um i have reservations but let's see what he does if i see in the heights and it's great then i'm a thousand percent on board uh with wicked and i also think there was probably some creative issues that moved him off willow and then he grabbed this situation or he essentially in his mind traded up like hey this willow yeah. thing, tv series i'm gonna go grab a feature film that is bigger in scope and uh i could be like the new uh musicals director for the new generation if I had if I had to guess and again this is no no I, I have no inside information on this yeah. if I had to guess uh, he was really excited about doing Willow and I think he genuinely was yeah. but I think that maybe in addition to COVID and production delays and uh, and, and his and his and a baby on the way maybe this wicked thing started to be a possibility yeah. and that helped his decision to say he needed to step away if I had right. to guess. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't know for sure. Also, I'm just really distraught that you guys have not seen Wicked. I don't know that I knew this, and I'm really upset about it, and I just feel like there's only so much that I can do. I am just one homosexual. There's only so much that I can do to help your musical theater education, and I feel like I actually blame myself for this. Which was I our whole... I can't believe... That was our whole plan I, to have you blame yourself. Yes, uh, <laughs> I, I can't believe that, that 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 this is where we are at this point in our friendship. I so. mean, my last two New York trips, I went and saw something rotten both times. Oh, see, <laughs> this guy, he loves to watch the same things over and over. Again. <laughs> I mean, Shannon, I gave up on you when you came to visit me in New York when I was at Hasbro Toy Fair, and I had a bunch of meetings, and you were like, "I think I'm going to go see Spider Man." Turn off, turn on the dark, oh. turn off the dark, whatever it was. Yeah, whatever. And it was. and I told you, don't do it. Go see <laughs> anything else. And you said, I know it's not great, but I just want to check it out for myself. And I'm like, please don't go. And you said, no, no, I'm gonna do it. And then I went to the meetings and I came back and you were in the room and I'm like, well, and you were like, wow, that was a mistake. <laughs> but I'm glad I did it. That oh, that viewing that you show, <laughs> the fact that they actually had a technical hole. During the show, I was in the balcony, and one of the one of the many Spider Men had yeah. swung up and was on was in front of us when they had a technical hold. And this poor stunt guy, who does not have probably a lot of experience doing stand up, <laughs> had to turn around and talk to the crowd. It was 
<laughs> it was an amazing experience, even though, yes, the show was a mistake. Oh, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, trading up in this business. Uh, uh, executives and uh, uh, studio heads drop directors if they feel they can get a better director. That happens. So the game is the game, you know. John, and maybe this bought John Chu, John M. Chu, a little more time with his family, a little more time to prep at home, a little more time to, you know, kind of work on something else where he didn't feel the rush to jump onto the Willow right. project with the timetable that that's on. That's certainly possible as well. So a lot of factors into this, but we'll see how in the Heights does. It's getting early buzz. We'll see if it's good. And then I, we'll yeah. I, again, as someone who's a huge fan of in the Heights, uh, yeah. obviously we all love Hamilton and Hamilton is one of the seminal works of our lifetime. As far as musicals go uh, yeah. in the Heights is fan fantastic and uh i really i really can't wait to see what he does with that too that's to be honest that's probably one of the things that i'm most excited that's coming out on hbo max this year more so than any of the nerdier options out there in the heights is probably my top thing okay uh let me throw something in before we get to the last topic uh uh, gentlemen the, the golden globes nominations were dropped today not a lot of geeky stuff to talk about but you speak about hamilton mike lin-manuel miranda was nominated for best actor so this this thing is considered a movie that can be nominated mm-hmm. for Best Picture, Best Actor, what have you, in the categories here. Uh, what's your reaction to that? Do you think that's fair? Do you think it's not really a movie that should have been nominated? Where do you feel on that? And it was also nominated for Best Musical or Comedy, and also uh, The Mandalorian was nominated for Best Television Drama. So what do you think about that, gentlemen? I, I thought you were going to say Mandalorian was nominated for Best Musical, and I'm Absolutely. like, well, that's not, that doesn't make sense. Uh, Shannon, <laughs> Shannon, what do you think? Well, you know, as much as I really, I mean, I loved Hamilton on Disney Plus, nominating it for like uh, Best Picture, I'm kind of like, ah, it's, Mm. was it though? I mean, it was a, it was a filmed, it was a filmed performance of of a musical. Um, I would have been like, I don't know if they ever would have gotten to this, but I would have been curious, like, what does an actual filmed adaptation of Hamilton look like like that I'm really curious like I don't know if that works on the big screen I think it probably would but I don't know that the fact that they essentially filmed a play and they did it incredibly like it, it's so enjoyable I I don't really feel like it should have been nominated I don't feel like it, it was not a feature film it was a filmed uh performance right so right. but Lin-Manuel Miranda was great and yeah. I enjoyed the hell out of it but I just think of other things that got snubbed yeah. that maybe would have taken its spot. Okay. Like All what? Right. Well, I mean, it wasn't a comedy, but like One Night in Miami. I can't believe oh. that that didn't get nominated. Yeah, it didn't get nominated picture. for picture. picture drama. That's true. All Rainey's Black Bottom. I would, have, I would have put that. I mean, even though it's not really a comedy, I mean, it certainly is a musical. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's, that's my thought. <laughs> I'd have booted Trial of Chicago 7 right on out of there and put One Night in Miami in there. It's ridiculous that, that, that that's the nominee. Mikey, what do you think? And and what's your thoughts on Mandalorian being nominated? Uh, rarely do Star Wars shows get nominated for Golden Globes. So do, what do you think well, about that? to be fair, there's not a lot of Star Wars shows out there. But yes, you're right. Movies don't either. You're, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think that this is a weird year. Mm. I think that I think that there has not... To Shannon's point, there are. I, I'm not saying that there were just no other options. There are some amazing films out there that have been overlooked that people haven't checked out. Thousand percent. Um, but when you look at like the movies that were sort of the pop culture moments, the things that everybody was talking about, the movies that you're like, oh, this performance, this director, this and that. Right. There weren't as many. Um, whether that was because people were overlooking things or whatever, we were all a little distracted with you know global pandemics and uh, systemic racism and everything else. Right. But um, but I think that Hamilton, Shannon's right. The other side of that argument was. Hamilton represents a specific moment and that movie coming out on Disney Plus was one of the few times that everybody in the country kind of felt like uh, not everybody but that was a that was a thing that everybody was talking about together at the same time. And right. I think that that's probably why it's gotten nominated because sort of emotionally that was one of the things we didn't have all of the big movie blockbusters and all the things because we weren't going to the movies. So I think that's probably right. why it did. And I'm kind of okay with that for now, although I think Shannon makes some valid points. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that um, as far as Star Wars goes and Mandalorian, yeah. look, I think Mandalorian is that good. I think that 
I'm not going to say that Mandalorian is like better than any Star Wars movie ever. And we all know that in general, uh, fantasy movies, sci-fi movies tend to get overlooked or snubbed or seen as not on the level as other things. I think Mandalorian is just, I think bringing that level of special effects, that level of production value, that level of storytelling to the small screen is what made it that. I think that... And Marvel's doing this too with WandaVision right now, but we are seeing these, as opposed to what we used to see, and no knock against them, but whether it be Agent of, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. or even Daredevil, Punisher, Jessica Jones, which were all great, yeah. uh, they were great in terms of this is great for television. Right, right. Mandalorian, WandaVision are, this is what I pay to go see in a theater, but I'm getting it in TV-sized chunks every week. And I think Mandalorian is one of the first movies that did, TV shows that did that, which is why it's being nominated, because it has sort of elevated the genre in that way. I agree. Was this the first Golden Globe nomination for The Mandalorian? Did the first season get nominated? Oh, I don't know. It's a good question. Because uh, I feel like it did get nominated okay. for an Emmy. Let me see. Um, I certainly Globe? thought the second season was more deserving of a nomination than the first. I would agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, but not by much. I mean, I think it was pretty good. Um, no, it was. Only, I think it's only been nominated for. Yeah, this is the first time it's been nominated. So, okay. uh, at least from what I'm looking here, I don't see it anywhere else. So there you go. Um, two things that could have taken the place. I would absolutely kick out um, Hamilton and the Prom and replace oh. them with uh, Emma, which was excellent, and um, can the King of Staten Island. A lot, a lot of people saw the King of Staten Island. That film is absolutely very funny. I had also pretty dramatic in certain moments as well. Great work by Pete Davidson and Bill Burr in that movie and Marissa Tomei as well. So I would have kicked those two out uh, for sure. You know, I'm not going to touch Borat. You know, it is. <laughs> well, and the fact that Palm Springs got nominated. Yeah, like, I love Palm that. Palm Springs love was that. awesome. Yeah, agreed. Palm agreed. Springs was delightful. I th- a thousand percent. You should have watched that again, Shan, instead of J.I. Joe. All right. Uh, Who says I haven't? Who says I haven't? <laughs> Fair enough. All right. What's our last thing here as we wrap up our uh, first part of the show here, man? Trailers, trailers, trailers. <laughs> Three weeks in a row. Is it? Is it that we have such a lack of news to report on or the fact that these really cool trailers are coming out? Yeah. Who knows? Why can't it be both? <laughs> <laughs> the first trailer, these gentlemen know this is just hits me in the sweet spot this is the first trailer for hbo max's the nevers just premiered so this is a show that is set in uh, like a late 19th century victor victorian sci-fi fantasy uh now we know this was from joss whedon this is the show that he left yes was was forced out we don't know like he he, he i think it was in november of november that uh, of this or of uh, last year that uh, it was announced that he was stepping away, that he was choosing to step away. Um, coincidentally, as like the Justice League investigation was wrapping up. Right. But this is a series that is, uh, let me find the thing, an epic science fiction drama about a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. So basically, there's this event that uh, gives this group of Victoria, Victorian women powers. I mean, mm-hmm. this hits me in all the... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen sweet spots here. I mean, and a really impressive cast as well. Laura Donnelly, Olivia Williams, who uh, was on uh, Dollhouse Mm -hmm. uh, from Joss Whedon, uh, Nick Frost, Ben Chaplin. Uh, This looks so freaking cool to me. Um, Just, I, I just love the production value. I love the Victorian setting. The the cracking heads while being prim and proper just. I, I cannot wait for this series to come out in April. Um, but gentlemen, the Nevers, what do you think? Yeah, Mike, please. I mean, it's X-Men. <laughs> it's yes. X-Men. Yes. It's X-Men. I just love if somebody like, guys, here's my pitch. <laughs> A section of humanity gets powers and everyone else is really, really uncomfortable and says that they need to be like handled or taken care of. And you're like, yeah, it's X-Men, but it's Victorian era and there's blimps. Ooh, (laughs) now I'm in. Uh, I'm just kidding. It actually looks great. Zeppelins. The blimp is a blimp is a blimp. No, look, look, it actually, it looks super fun. It is like, it's really funny. Anytime, it's really hard to get away from this now. Like anytime you have a group of people have powers and the rest of the world hates and fears them, 
you're like, we have we have gone down this road, but I do like the petticoats, so I'm super on board. Uh, it looks interesting. It looks really cool. Um, I'm very curious about it. Um, aside from the fact that it's X-Men and Victorian era, we don't know a ton about the show or the characters, but uh, I, I'm definitely intrigued. And I think, yes, Joss stepping away was probably uh, not necessarily his choice. Um, <laughs> and so... And I think given all of the heat on Joss, uh, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see what this world is, who these characters are. Uh, definitely a lot to be curious about. Definitely something I'm going to check out. Definitely something I'm going to relentlessly make fun of because it's basically X-Men. Yeah. I'm going to try to do this in one minute. I'm intrigued, certainly for sure. Joss Whedon left. Uh, he said, I couldn't handle the physical challenges of making such a huge show during a global pandemic. By the way, he also couldn't unlock Batwoman for some reason, so or Batgirl for some reason. So uh, whatever with that. So yeah, I, these are eventually you step away from too many projects. People go, eh, we don't really buy the bullshit you're, you're shoveling here, guy. But that that being said, this looks curious. I'm curious for it. We'll see if it's any good. I'm gonna need to see more. Uh, I don't see a lot of buzz around it. I did interview James Norton about it when I was interviewing him a few months ago over that uh, film that he had, Mr. Jones, that had come out. And he spoke about it glowingly about his experience on the set. So that makes me curious. And he's in the trailer as well. So I'm excited to see his part in it. We'll see if this turns out. But I will say I walked away from that trailer and be like, okay, let's see what happens. So that, that was and our second trailer this week. This is our second trailer. That is the second trailer. Yeah. for coming to america so Hell. this is a film that i have been cautiously optimistic and with the more footage that i see the more cautious i feel that i have to become. <laughs> you're an evil person you're an evil person look i love that first movie i think everyone involved are, are incredibly talented i think wesley snipes looks hilarious yeah the vibe that i am getting from this trailer is just a very sanitized sanitized version of what the movie could have been um, but again, I mean, I know that movie it, that you guys hold it probably more, more near and dear to your heart than I do, but I was still, I, I loved it. I mean, it was a great movie to sneak and watch because it had so much cussing. Um, <laughs> I just don't feel like that's what we're going to get from this. And again, I hope I'm wrong, but what do you guys think? Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you, Shannon. It feels a little PG 13 ish as I watch it. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Look, I mean, we've been going through hell in 2020 and we're into 2020 already. And 2021 didn't start out all nice either. So there's a lot we're navigating and we're just barely out of January. Uh, and it feels like so much happened in that month already. So looking forward to a film that's going to bring us back to a time where we could all get in the theater and, and laugh and talk about it and repeat the lines and quote them over and over again and watch the film over and over again is going to be great to go back to that world. I Now I'm starting to move towards that Bill and Ted three face the music feeling where it's like, it's just going to be nice to revisit these characters again. Uh, and whatever time machine the barbershop is in, all of that is going to be a lot of fun for sure. But yes, as I watched this, I did laugh. I did enjoy it. I chuckled. I'm certainly looking forward to it, but I also felt yeah a little sanitized, but whatever it's old. Con these are, these are all old people for the most part. You're not going to get cutting edge comedy from these old people, but Mikey, what do you think? Uh, I, I, I think similar. I think I'm just kind of accepting what this movie is. Uh, aside from that aspect of it, uh, I think that um, it, it we're clearly going to spend more time in Zamunda. Yes. So this, whereas the first movie was very much like, we are in America for the majority of the movie. This looks like we go to America, we get his son, son, mom, uncle, all come back to Zamunda, and we're sort of in Zamunda for the, a big chunk of the movie. And it looks like a big chunk of the movie surrounds the fact that this male heir is coming back who doesn't know anything about the country, and that uh, and that Eddie Murphy's daughter is definitely the one more capable to be yes. the ruler of Zamunda, but women aren't allowed to rule. So that kind of gives you a, we're starting, we're starting to see what the shape of this movie mm -hmm. is going to be. And that's a perfectly lovely, I think to your guys' point, even that being the story is much more of a family movie. Yes. Uh, dad, dad figuring out what to do with his children is much more a family-friendly story uh, than a young bachelor goes to New York to sow his wild oats but really secretly wants to fall in love. So I think that everything about this is sort of pointing towards a kinder, gentler, sweeter. And look, what I will say... As I've said before, that is not necessarily the coming to America that I would want to see more of. But right. when Eddie Murphy does do family friendly, 
he doesn't do horribly. I mean, the Nutty, yeah. Nutty Professor, Nutty Professor movies, uh, you know, one like everybody loves those. Uh, yeah. I think that even Watch as we said, whether it's well. Eddie Daycare yeah. did well. You're right. Yeah. That, so I think that Eddie Murphy can be very funny without being R-rated Eddie Murphy. A lot of the actors in this movie can be very funny. So a lot of the devil's in the details. Like, we could see this movie and be like, fuck, I thought this was going to be sanitized, but holy shit, they really went for some of those jokes. We won't know till we see it. I'm definitely going to watch it. I definitely am excited. There's something just lovely to see all of these, to your point, Johnny, to see all these old, like, they brought back fucking everybody like yeah, yeah. everybody who was in that movie is back and there's something kind of sweet about that like bringing the entire gang back together so i'm excited but yeah yeah i was hoping we get a louis anderson cameo or a samuel L. jackson cameo or sherry headley's sister where is she at i'd like to see a little more we do get john amos in this so at least we know he's coming back and the poster was released with all the characters on it i do want to stress this some of the people in my sphere complained about the poster saying there was too many characters on it. I will refer you to Avengers Endgame. There is a crap ton of characters on that poster. How hard is it for you to keep track of everybody on a poster? Give me a break. What a what a terrible thing to ding it on. So anyway, we'll see. It's coming out. It's coming out March 5th, Shan. So uh yeah. Anyway, I just had to say my piece on that. All right. That's just such a weird critique. I just because I, I thought it was a weird critique too. I was like, what? what? This is your problem with this? The poster. It's too many people. What? Anyway. Um, all right, let's take a quick break uh, and uh, we'll jump into our main topic uh, when we come back after this. Sometimes I just like to let him go. Yeah, I, I thought the break I was longer this time. Yeah. What the like fuck was that? Okay, was, was, uh, you it, know. It, it didn't. It didn't come out right. It was supposed to be the Witches of Eastwick because uh, <laughs> Ooh, that's a reference. <laughs> Maybe because I was struggling to remember Wandavision's. Themes. Oh my! God. It was the last time you saw that, Mike. It was the last time you saw Witches of Eastwick. Witches of Eastwick. It's been years. You know why though? Because of why? that cherry puking scene. I can't watch the movie. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I. As a kid, scary, like the wolf in never ending story, like all the things that as you when you're a kid, you're like, Oh, I couldn't watch that because that oh Angel uh Angelica Houston and the witches taking off her face. I am mm. fine. Yeah, yeah. Puking all up right. cherries in Witches of Eastwick. No ma'am. <laughs> no thank no, you. Ma'am. no thank you. Uh all right, well, let's get into our main topic here, and it's WandaVision. As we've said, for those of you who have not watched our WandaVision reviews, please do watch them. And we're getting so many great responses and likes and comments from people on them. So thank you so much for joining us for those. But uh, this, uh, there's a lot going on around WandaVision here. And as we're going into episode five, Mike and Shannon, certainly some people had issues with the first couple of episodes. I don't get what's happening. Even the third episode, a little bit, we have issues. Then the fourth episode really showed us the world that's actually happening, at least at this point, what we think is actually happening. We had the return of Randall Park and Kat Dennings in their characters, uh, Darcy and uh, Jimmy Woo, coming back here to figure out what's happening uh, with Wanda and Vision in this town of Westview. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen was giving an interview to TV Line, and she hinted that fans have uh, that fans are should be getting excited uh, because uh, there is a big cameo or surprise cameo coming. That's on the level of Mark. Ha uh, oh, sorry, of uh, a certain somebody appearing at the end of Mandalorian season two. I don't want to spoil that, but they. She didn't insinuate it's on the level, but she said people should be excited that it might be at this level. Mikey, what do you think about? I like that you got the word Mark. Is Mark Johnson? He played Johnson. the alien in uh, yes. in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, well, well, before we before we say anything, Mark like I think, is, yeah. I think we should say that like if you if you happen to be listening to us and you've not seen any of WandaVision yet, it's going to be hard to talk about this show at the halfway point without yeah. getting into spoilers. So I feel like as we start to conjecture about what's happening, if you don't want to listen to any more, turn it off, go watch all of our WandaVision reviews, and then come right. back. Um, exactly. But that being said, mm -hmm. uh, I like. are we asking who I think it's going to be, or do I think... Yeah, she said that she's really excited. She didn't hint at who it's going to be. She said she's really excited. Jack Schaefer said, I encourage all fans to settle in because there's more coming. There are so many surprises left in store for the five remaining episodes. But yes, there was a question about whether it would be on the level of that. And she said, yes. so 
I've seen a lot of people on Twitter like, first of all, give, Eliz give Elizabeth Olsen a break. Like, she didn't get out no. her geek protractor and measure every single Marvel character against this Star Wars character and said, yes, this is... Like, I've seen a lot of people being like, well, that wouldn't be on that level. I'm like, she's very excited. Cut her yeah. some slack. Uh, I feel I attack. Think, okay, go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm just saying, I feel like, I feel like if like, because for example, let's go no. through, let's go through the obvious choices. Uh, okay. It, it is a no-brainer to say, knowing where where the character of Wanda Maximoff will be going in the next couple movies, it's yeah. a no-brainer to say that it's a good chance Doctor Strange is going to show up. Like once well, Sword sure. figures out, once figures, once Sword figures out that Wanda is the one that's causing all this, and she's got these wonky powers, and nobody knows what's going on, and they've exhausted scientific explanations. Go to New York. He's an Avenger. Call Doctor Strange. So him showing up is a no-brainer, and 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 that could be who she's talking about because it's awesome that he's coming into the show. I think the other no-brainer would be um, as Wanda is living in her own reality and is creating things for herself, and clearly uh, they brought up the fact that she did have a twin brother who died yeah. in Age of Ultron. Um, Pietro showing back up, Quicksilver showing back up, whether she pulls him in from another reality, whether she yeah. recreates him entirely. Um, there have been a lot of rumors that Evan Peters, who played Quicksilver in the other Marvel movies, the X-Men yes. franchise, might be in this show. Might he be showing up as an alternate reality version of her brother who accidentally gets pulled into this mess? Possibly. There are rumors that the twins that she and Vision just had in episode four, three, episode three, um, mm -hmm might actually, because they're magic and the whole thing doesn't make sense anyway, might grow up and Evan Peters might be playing one of those children. So th those are the obvious ones. Uh, people yeah. have thrown around, a lot of people are throwing around Magneto as my as my good friend Johnny here loves to point out. Uh, this could be the beginning of mutants and perhaps we will see a in-universe uh, Eric Lenscher, uh, mm. Eric uh, playing Magneto, uh, you know, the character of Magneto showing up. I think that's less likely, but it's definitely a possibility. Um, and then it starts to get wonky. Like, we all know that there's been talk of Chris Evans coming back as Cap. Is old yeah. Steve Rogers going to hobble his ass in there and try and calm Wanda down? Possibly. Oh. Oh. Hobble. Oh. <laughs> he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. You know, I mean, look. Know. He looked like he could run for president. Every time I watch Endgame, I'm like, it's Joe Biden. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> old Chris Evans looks like Joe Biden. Like, show me the lie. But yeah, like, you know, I mean, and look, I think that's not, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's likely either. But again, uh, we, it's been three weeks since old Steve Rogers handed Falcon the shield. It yeah. hasn't been that long. So things get really dire and you need someone who's going to be like, Hey, Wanda, bring it down a few notches. Maybe, maybe it is old Steve. Who knows? What do you guys think? What do you think, Shannon? What's your feeling on this one? Well, I mean, again, like that, I, I don't see, like we all have heard for a bit yeah. that Dr. Strange would probably show up in some capacity. So the fact that that rumor has already been out there for a while, that sort of makes me cross him off the list. Okay. Um, the Evan Peters thing, like I know, the whatever the 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 actor who dubs his lines i think it's in south america in brazil in i thought yep. um the actor who dubs his lines basically said like yeah i got to go i got to do this for wandavision and that tweet was probably taken down and the guy's account was locked yeah. <laughs> um so yeah their, sword their... sword showed up sword showed up with a truck outside <laughs> of his house <laughs> the, will smith yeah there's certainly credence to that yeah. um but uh, but based off of elizabeth olsen's enthusiasm like again i don't think it's a one for one like a luke skywalker um but based off of her enthusiasm in that interview i'm like well again we talked about this so i don't think that's it right. um but also paul bettany gave an interview it was on a podcast yes. where he had said as well he's like i'm really surprised that this hasn't leaked yet so yeah. in terms of other characters like think about who wanda is connected to really the only other character is is Hawkeye mm -hmm. and I don't think Jeremy Renner showing up would be that that big of a showstopper yeah, she's also yeah. somewhat connected to Tony Stark right I don't think Artie I don't think it's going to be RDJ I think it's going to be the actor who I believe is going to play Mephisto mm. I think because uh after episode four came out 
Um, if you get the Disney Plus emails, like they, you know, you got the WandaVision episode four streaming now, and there was a new poster. And wow. in between Wanda and Vision on the wallpaper of their house, there's very clearly a little a little devil face there. Now I'm not one to to especially in promotional materials, kind of go over go over everything with a magnifying glass. Like in the show, I think that's all fair game. But mm -hmm. in the promotional materials, I'm like, ah, that's probably an accident. And I looked at the rest of the wallpaper. I'm like, no, nope, that is that mm -hmm. is clearly a little devil face. So whoever they have cast as Mephisto, I, I think that's what I... it's gonna be. Awesome. I love, I love that WandaVision and Marvel have turned all of us into Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> every, every single, like more so Star Wars is just like, oh, I think that's Tatooine. And if you like, this is a whole other level of like, look at the clock. The clock is pointing to the red pot. The red pot is red because of the devil. Pot is the devil's weed. It's Mephisto. Like everyone is going fucking insane. All that being said, the wallpaper does look like a devil face. So yeah, it is true. Put that on the table. Also, it's true, but like we're crazy. Yeah, true. Cool. And they've got they've turned us into this. And they're enjoying it, giggling their they, butts off in writers' rooms. Oh, they uh, love it. Of course they do. Well, really, up until this point with the MCU, there hasn't really been like a big mystery like this no, i mean there's, there's we kind of knew what was coming yeah yeah there's been allusions to things like wakanda's mentioned before we ever see black panther and you know certain things are mentioned before we ever get to certain spots but they're not really like you're like thinking oh well i hope they make it happen you're not saying oh this is coming yeah you know, there's a difference so they'll but, do they'll uh, do oh sorry sorry go ahead no no no, no, no go, go, go ahead you're going on my I, point. I would say like they do well they do like uh they do uh like in in spider-man far from home the the number that was on the boat was the issue where Hydro appeared. Like they'll do little right. Easter egg sort of referencing outside world comic stuff. And WandaVision is definitely doing that. Shannon um, pinpointed a lot of those numbers and what they represent in the comics. But right. yes, the, the untangling of the mystery because this started in such a weird place that yeah. was sort of what's going on. It's it, you're right. It has allowed them to lead us down a different path than they normally do. And I think all the fans are just having a ton of fun with it. Whether we end up being right or wrong, the experience of the guessing and the looking and yeah. all of that is actually really, really fun. I think you make an excellent point though, where you say like, uh, we should give Elizabeth a credit. I, when I tweeted it out this morning, I only tweeted out like, well, what would be at the level of Skywalker? It was more of a question. I, I didn't think anything would come close. I don't see anything. And I said, combined Aaron Taylor and Evan Peters don't come anywhere close to Luke Skywalker. So for me, if they're, uh, 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 well, I gave it now, hey, now, well, thanks for the spoiler warning though, Michael, I appreciate it. Save me right now. But yeah, the, the, uh, the situation there is though, is like, well, um, what would be it? Uh, someone mentioned Ultron and that grabbed my interest. The idea of Ultron coming back, I think would be interesting. Who would be the voice? If it's a new Ultron, who would be the voice of this Ultron? I wonder uh, if you go further out, someone mentioned one of the gentlemen who follows me on Twitter. He's an editor for the Seattle times for the sports section. He said, he thinks uh, Henry Cavill coming in as wonder man, that that could be an incredible cameo. And I was like, well, we've mentioned Wonder Man in uh, one of our reviews, I think is a possibility. Certainly uh, uh, the Grim Reaper has been mentioned. The Grim Reaper, Eric Williams, is Wonder Man's brother. So that's a possibility as well. And remember in West Coast Avengers, after Vision is brought back to life, or one of the issues, brought, it's it's uh, Simon Williams' uh, mind that is put into, or pieces of his mind that are put into Vision to reanimate him. So there's possibilities. They're bringing in Wonder Man for sure. Michael Fassbender could be very interesting as her dad. That would be fascinating. So then you open the door that, in fact, her parents didn't die, that her dad at least is still alive, even though her brother might be dead. Uh, he is still alive. So what does that mean? Does that open a whole door? But there's been no allusions to Fassbender coming back to this situation. Uh, RDJ is close. But that wouldn't be that much of a cameo because like, oh, yeah, RDJ and another project, MCU project. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. So I don't know who it could be, but I'm curious. And I think they this was the exact point of what Elizabeth was doing. People have been complaining. I'm like, oh, I'm not as into it or I've got issues, blah, blah, blah. People said episode four is the one you got to watch. Now they understand like they're dropping these little one minute teasers about the rest of the episodes coming. And that teaser was great. My God. And so you're just like, okay, so this is their way of trying to get people back on board, get people back in mass to watch it. And hopefully the surprise uh, is worth it. Yeah. Good, Mike. I, I will say as far as like getting people back, uh, I think that there's a little bit of like, uh, we'll call it Twitter rewriting history. Um, mm. I think that there's been a lot of 
when you go on social media, there yeah, yeah. is a there is a large number of people that are like, I don't get this. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. This is boring. Like in the world of social media, I don't have Disney Plus's numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they're not super worried about the number of people that are watching WandaVision every week. Like I think yeah. the numbers have been pretty okay. So just, and I understand what you're saying. And I do yeah. think that, turning the tide of like sort of the buzz on social media is one thing. But I think that, uh, I think that as far as like getting viewers back or being concerned, like I think they're pretty, they're feeling pretty good about this uh, on the whole. But I've heard from a number of people in my sphere that they're not in any rush to watch it. And I think that's the thing that they want to get is that Mandalorian buzz where people are like, I got to watch it tonight. You know, I got to, and so they're not sensing that that's an overall feeling that people have necessarily for the people getting around to it. And I think they want to make it more of an event type thing. So that's my point overall. Um, Shannon, what were you going to say? You were not. Well, well, I mean, and again, this is just, this is just personal taste. I mean, Mandalorian, you know, it's a show that really takes its time Yeah, and you're not necessarily uh, unraveling a big mystery. So Mm -hmm. Mandalorian, when I, when I started it at midnight on Thursdays, I doze off a lot. It has nothing to do with the quality of the show. It just says, yeah. like, yeah, I'm kind of tired. Right. Um, and, your, and, your, and your age. Well, did you, and there, and did you doze off? Okay, okay. You dozed uh, off during Mandalorian? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Every every time I tried to watch it at midnight, except for the first episode of season one, I, I would doze off. Okay. Okay. So, But with WandaVision, because you are unraveling that mystery, I am full. I am just completely engaged the whole time. And granted, I've also started taking a nap at like 8 p.m., because 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 of your age have you ever taken an 8 p.m nap without the aid of alcohol it is delightful no because if i go to bed at 8 a.m i'm gonna sleep until the next morning (laughs) i'm not getting back up (laughs) but uh uh, but but i certainly respect it i mean i i there are many people on my wall and timeline as well who have said i am going to wait until this is all out because i just want to be able to blaze through it and that's certainly that's certainly a decision. I mean, but yeah. me personally, I love what we're able to do from Friday to Friday of every week, yeah. which is just go in and I, I love the dissecting. And yeah. based off of their history, it's going to lead to something. We shall see. Uh, we got a few minutes before we wrap up. Any other speculation you want to throw out there, guys? Any other possibilities that have been come up over the last few days that people have spoken about in interviews? Anything else you guys want to touch on? Well, I know that someone had talked about Ian McKellen showing up, and I was like, I think he's probably off the board. I don't know. <laughs> what about Patrick Stewart? I mean, he came out and said that they had tried to woo him. They had conversations with Feige about him coming back as Professor X in the MCU, and he said he turned it down. So is he lying? Is he telling the truth? Or like, what that is? Would you, all, I mean, because if anyone can go toe-to-toe with her mind, it is uh, uh, Professor X, you would think. First of all, I don't think that Patrick Stewart lies. So... Wow. I think he's. The, I think Jean Luc Picard always tells the truth because oh. he's the be, he's the better captain than other. But he, Star when he Trek gets captains. around to it six episodes later, when he gets around after he finishes thinking about what to do for six episodes, sure. Uh, I, I kind of think universe seven times over. Anyway, go ahead. Nerd fight. <laughs> I I feel like, and I feel like, I feel like Wandavision. I do feel like Wandavision may shed some light on this, but I think that I think that Patrick Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart are kind of a package deal. And yeah, in the good same point. in the same way that in the same way that Fastbender and um, McAvoy McAvoy would be a package deal. I think that as Marvel Kevin Feige as they've been trying to figure out how mutants are coming into this world, yeah. and as they've been figuring out how they're going to be opening up these multiverses, I think that you co- there's probably like a lot of well, if this then this. And yes, if Patrick Stewart is on board to come in as Professor X in whatever capacity, then you would want Ian McKellen. If he's out, then you kind of go Fastbender McAvoy. If they're out, then you say, okay, well, we're going to do within our world, we have a brand new, but like, I think that it's sort of like, there's probably a lot of juggling going on behind the scenes to figure out what the right thing, because you can't halfway it. You can't say, well, we're going to have this universe's Professor X, but then Fastbender, like, it would just get a... Even in the even in this world of multiverses that we're about mm-hmm. to step into in both Marvel and DC, y- there's a lot going on. It can you can definitely push that too far to the point where the audience okay. is like, okay, now I'm just lost. 
What about Famke Jansen? Does that apply if she was the one that's the surprise coming back as Jean Grey to go toe-to-toe with Wanda? I think that that is a perfect example of something that hardcore comic book fans would freak out about and regular audiences would be like, I have no idea why this is important at all. Like, to use the Luke Skywalker example, the Luke Skywalker example is great because if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan who has been listing off every possible Jedi that still exists, <laughs> you get you get to the, as, as we all were, you yeah, get yeah. to the end of Mandalorian season two and you end up going, yeah, this does make the most sense within the world. He is the he is the guy right now. He's about to open a school. Why was I even thinking that it was going to be A, B, C, or D? This makes sense. But if you are a casual Star Wars fan who doesn't watch Rebels, who didn't play Fallen Order, who doesn't know every Jedi in existence, you watch that and you're like, hey, you're, you're Leo, you're Leo in the meme. You're like, oh, it's Luke Skywalker. And I think Famke Jansen falls too far on the former side. I think that her stepping through as full Phoenix Jean Grey, if you're a comic book guy, you're like, fuck yeah, Scarlet Witch versus the Phoenix. And if you are like someone who just loves the MCU movies, you're like, I don't, why, what? Right, yeah. How many many X-Men movies there have been since Famke Jansen's last appearance, which was in an X-Men movie that was not very well regarded. Um, It's not- she was in Days of Future Past when he came yeah, back. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I, know, I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I, I guess I'm I'm equating it more with the Last Stand. I mean that. Uh, you, I mean you are right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it's how like, how about Wolverine? yeah? I mean, I, and it's not like a it's not like a Michael Keaton showing up in the Flash thing where right. he kind of went out on top. Right. <laughs> um, so what yeah, about Wolverine though? Wolverine is that not a possibility? Do you think if Hugh Jackman came back as Wolverine? I, I think it's a connection is. Yeah, fair. I, fair. I I think that yeah, like to to Wanda Maximoff from Sokovia. Yeah. What does Hugh Jackman mean to her? Yeah. I, I I think I think it's like, and I I think that lots of people are doing this right now. There is a natural excitement for mutants. X Men is by far one of the most popular things that Marvel does. Uh, in the past decade, they've they've definitely elevated Avengers. Like there was a time in life where the Avengers, in general, Iron Man, Captain America, all them were way lower on the popularity scale. Like X Men and yeah. Spider Man oh. were like Wolverine and Spider Man were the tops, and X Men were way more popular than Avengers. Um, once once Marvel sold Avengers and Fantastic Four and Daredevil off to Fox and Spider-Man off to Sony, when they started to make their own movies, they were like, well, let's we've got the Avengers. But they were definitely sort of second stringers, which is hard to remember now because they are now the most popular superheroes in the world. Um, so, so there's definitely an excitement. We know that mutants are coming. And with Wanda's powers leveling up the way they are in WandaVision, you're like, this is Scarlet Witch. Mutants are coming. And with the yeah. multiverse is opening up, it opens up all of the possibilities for, as Johnny's saying, for Hugh Jackman or Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart or Fassbender or McAvoy or any of these characters from the other universe. I think I get a little bit nervous because I think if they just open up a portal and dump a bunch of mutants into this world, yeah. that is kind of sloppy storytelling. They don't disagree and, with you. And if they do end up going down that road, Marvel has earned a lot of... Uh, they, I, I will go with them and see if they can pull it off. But it definitely has the potential to be very sloppy. Like, I don't want to have just... Because a portal opened up, we now have Wolverine, Professor X, Magneto, and a bunch of mutants running around. And that's how we start telling mutant stories. I think there's probably a more elegant way to bring mutants into this world. Uh, if, if WandaVision in and of itself is House of M in reverse... Yeah. Um, House of M ends with Wanda being so over all of the fighting and everything that's happened with her family and everything that she says no more mutants. Yeah. And in an instant, billions of mutants disappear. Uh, right. If they do the opposite of this, if for whatever reason she comes out of this and says, I want everyone to be able to whatever yeah. and ends up being the spark that creates mutants, I'm cool with it. Like, right. that's cool for me. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see. So I, I'm I'm anxious to get to mutants, but I also feel like they could go down a bad road. So I'm cautious. Yeah. And they did mention astronauts. I think it'd be a hell if they introduced Fantastic Four at the end. That would be shocking on so many levels. Maybe that could be the dish, but that would be a a hell of a thing to keep under wraps. Four actors somehow under wraps uh, shooting a Fantastic Four cameo. True. We shall see them. We shall but see The Mandalorian them. did it with Luke Skywalker. That's true. But that was a DA's Luke Skywalker, so as, as opposed to the actual actor being on set, even though I think he was on set at times. So we shall see. Anyway, all right. Well, let's wrap up there. Thank you all so much for watching this episode of The Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly that you take the time to listen or watch us 
here on the Outlaw Nation channel and on our podcast feed. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, Shannon, what do we got to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mike? Uh, we do not have a Cerebro helmet that lets us know how many geeks are out there, but we need you guys to let us know that you are here. Uh, and here are the ways that you can do that. You can like this post below. You can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page. There is a ton of awesome geeky content uh, for all walks of life. Wrestling, politics, nerdery, Star Wars, all of the things. Uh, so definitely subscribe. Check out all the other videos. Particularly check out the videos with Shannon and I in them because those are my personal favorites. Uh, leave some comments below. Let us know what you thought about about uh, all of our chats today. Uh, are you excited about the Nevers? Do you think it looks like X-Men in petticoats? Like I do. Uh, keep us posted on all of that. We love to respond to you guys in the comments. And then of course, the best thing that you guys can do for us is to take this video and retweet it, post it, text it to your friends. Hey, check out these geeks. They're super fun. You guys should join in the party. Uh, and yeah, that would be lovely. Thank you so much. There you go. All right. Well, uh, take care of yourselves. Practice social distancing. Wear your masks. And then come back and see us again next week for another brand new. Oh, and don't forget about our uh, WandaVision reviews on Saturday. This Saturday, we'll have a new WandaVision review. But then after that, come back and see us next week with another brand new episode here of The Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.